if you just launch a product and you don't have any heart and soul, you're just competing on price. And that, in any business book, is a really bad idea. So if you have heart and soul and you create a story, you create a tribe, and people start loving you for more than just the product and the price, um, then you have a brand. Welcome to The Branding Lab, a workshop-style podcast focused on providing actionable advice on how to build a remarkable brand. When host Yvonne Ivanescu decided to launch her own swimwear brand, she didn't know where to start. So she went straight to the experts. And the result? In-depth conversations with entrepreneurs, founders, marketing and brand experts who have created and designed the brands we love and interact with every single day. And now she's here to share these conversations with you. Are you ready to build your brand? Then you're in the right place. All right, let's dive into this episode with your host, Yvonne. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Branding Lab. Now, today we're going to be talking to Fabian, who is a brand strategist, creative director, best-selling author, mentor, speaker, and podcast host. He helps CMOs and founders create clarity for their brand transformations. And in today's episode, we will be talking about how to turn any business into an admired brand. Hi, Fabian. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Now, let's start with a fairly easy question, I think. What is branding and why is it important? (laughs) That's an easy question, huh? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm looking forward to all the other ones then today. (laughs) Look, it's it's a question that I obviously get asked all the time. And I I think I always answer it in a different way, um, however I wake up, because branding is, it's it's so much, right? I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's everything I do. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the Kool-Aid I drink and it's the Kool-Aid I surf. Um, I really think that branding in a nutshell is the heart and soul of a company. Um, And then that heart and soul of a company is manifested through its own visual and verbal atmosphere, right? So if you think about an atmosphere, it's, it's you know, there's something, you know, it's it, it's surrounding your offering, your product or whatever it is, right? So think about the product in the center and then this atmosphere around it. Well, a consumer has to poke through this atmosphere, whatever it is, maybe a trade show, maybe an Instagram ad, maybe an email, right? They, they have to first poke through it in order to even get to know the product. And this entire atmosphere around that product, made it be words, made it be images, you know, made it be emotions. All of that is is branding. And so, you know, in the same sense of that atmosphere, I also see branding as that that goes to to why it is important, right? I, I see it as a layer of insurance. Um, because if you just launch a product and you don't have any heart and soul, you're just competing on price. And that, in any business book, is a really bad idea. So if you have heart and soul and you create a story, you create a tribe, and people start loving you for more than just the product and the price, um, then you have a brand. And when you have a brand, you can screw up more often. <laughs> you know, When you have a brand, <laughs> things can go wrong. They will still love you because they know you're human, right? And I think that that human aspect is a huge competitive advantage. And listening to me speak, it is like annoying because, I mean, every brand should be human. I mean, it's the easiest thing. So I look at some brands in, you know, in Eastern Europe and, you know, like, like that, that don't even know what branding is, you know, and they, they just kind of like created, you know, a small storefront and then suddenly they have two or three. 
but people love them for who they are and kind of like the vibe that they bring across. And now, you know, here we all try to manufacture that vibe, right? And so it really comes down to being, um, to being human and being truthful. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your book, which I've read and I love. Um, I know you have written multiple books, but I want to focus on specific, specifically one of them, which is the bigger than this book, where you talk about commodity type products, which you call these so what products, which have no differentiators on the product or service level. And yet, like you said, people love them. So these brands don't have like enhanced designs. They're no new technology. They're not having any innovative offerings. Instead, what they're developing is an emotional connection. Now, I would love to talk more about the brand traits that you have identified in the book, but I wanted to go, like, before we get into that, I'd love to talk about the backstory of this book. So what inspired you to write it? And how did you go about researching it and, and writing it? Yeah, so, um, so so I wrote I wrote the first book um, called How to Launch a Brand, and it was a, a very basic book. It was basically everything I learned and my team learned um, about how to go about it. Um, it, w- it was a process that was already established. We just put it in words, and of course, we you know we 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 made it ours and we changed things around and thought about like how do you how do you really want to do this today? And so it was a little bit more of like a one on one book, right? Like a how to book. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to write a book that is. Um, you know, not, not necessarily a thought leadership book, but something that really digs deeper into a specific part of branding that I think is really important. And it was, it's, I, I remember it quite, uh, quite vividly. Um, it was, it was Halloween. Um, and we, we were in a house because we ran out of candy. And so it's, and our street is going crazy on Halloween. So there are so many trick-or-treaters. There are all these kids outside, all these families. It's just complete mayhem. And, um, we ran out of candy, which is the biggest faux pas in our entire neighborhood. So we had to lock ourselves in, you know, you know close, turn close, off all the lights, turn off the lights, put up the blinds. <laughs> and at this point, there was not much going on. So I was just sitting in a chair um, and I was kind of like peeking through the, through the, through the blinds and, and, you know, seeing this mayhem outside where everyone dressed up in costumes and, you know, they were all sexier and funnier than they, than, than who they really were. Right. They were all like, Oh, today I'm going to be really fun or really sexy or really cool. And, and I sat there and of course being the brand person that I am, and I was like, wait a minute, this, this whole dressing up game for Halloween is exactly how a lot of educated customers see brands these days. They're just like, it's all fake, right? It's fake personas that are crafted to evoke um, certain emotions so that they can achieve their sales goals. So mm-hmm. that's what I do at Halloween. Uh, I, I was thinking that. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you know, that led me to, no, today's brands don't play dress up, right? I mean, they're 100% transparent. They tell you they tell you who they are. They show you who they are. They want you to be part of a conversation. Um, and so, so I wanted to write about these brands. And then, you know, you know, a couple of days and weeks later, um, I, I, I started to realize that there are some brands, some startup brands, and you already mentioned that in, in that intro to the question, um, that basically are complete commodities. They're so what products? They're, you know, there's absolutely no product innovation. There's no differentiator, right? Um, no, no design enhancement, nothing. It's basically just commodity products that they sell like there's no tomorrow. And the only differentiator they have is branding. It's brand thinking. 
Um, and and that to me was the holy grail. I'm like, hold on, <laughs> you know, like let's let's if I can find one or two of them, I'm sure I can find you know 10, 20, or 30 of them, and I can start analyzing them and seeing what are the traits that they actually bring forward that any company, I mean, hopefully even companies that do have differentiators like companies should have, right? That have mm-hmm. true, you know, true product differentiators and innovative companies, but really any company can can learn from those and then maybe see if one of those traits really feels intrinsic to what they do. Um, and you and I had a little, you know, chat before we went on air and you told me that you are actually, you know, you, you're an entrepreneur, you, you have a product out um, yeah. and, and you were inspired by one of the trades um, and, it, and it's a simple trait. It's just delight, right? Just to, to bring delight in an industry that is not known to have, to have delight on the for- forefront. So it's not hugely poetic or super intellectual findings. It's just really, I mean, it's, it's very, it, it, they were all there and it's just but no one really analyzed it so so i went out and analyzed it and uh it, it, it was a lot of fun and you know then how did i actually write it it was you know it was exactly that just researching a lot of it and um and starting to put it into certain um you know certain um you know areas of of trades and then you know one thing leads to another next thing you know you've got a book out yeah and it's the reason that i really loved this book is because it just really spoke to me i feel like I wouldn't say maybe not 99%, but I think 90% or a large percentage of products that are being put out there, they're not anything new. There's nothing new about them. And so people like, how do you differentiate yourself? How are you different? You know, why should I buy this pair of sneakers instead of that pair of sneakers? Or why should I buy your sunglasses over that sunglasses? And when I was reading through these brand traits, I was like, oh my God, this is so simple. And yet, I don't think a lot of people actually do these things. You know, I think I think more and more of them of of them do it, right? I I think you know our mindset is shifting, um, and this has a lot to do with just society as a whole, right? It has to do with how we behave. It has to do with the politics um, and the politicians we have to suffer through, right? It has to do with, um, you know, the climate change. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, it's so weird to put this in context with branding, but but it really has to do with that because people ache for honesty and people ache for brands to do good, right? And and it's not it's not the 1980s, 1990s, at the end of the year, there's like, you know, the big wig standing on a big, um, you know, a holiday party stage with a huge, ginormous check, right? Saying, this is what we've done for society, right? So, but now, <laughs> now it's, you know, now it's intrinsic. Now, Isaac, I as a consumer, I want to know, um, you know, how are you actually walking that, walking that talk, right? What, what are you really doing? Um, and the relationship between how brands are, you know, are are giving back or being transparent or, you know, or or how they share a, a cause or a belief. Um, it's it just becomes much more um how shall I say it becomes it becomes more part of the consumer. So you know a good example is if you um I had I had to get a storage unit, um, you know, the other month, which which I've never done in my life, um, you know. So so you know, I'm getting a storage unit. I look at three different companies. I select one solely on 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 the design and then the price and the idea that they're really good about social distancing and you know, like like you know, I can mm-hmm. do everything online and I can just suddenly I have a code and I can check in. So it was a little bit innovation. A lot of it was like you know, like the design and then you know, a lot of it was the pricing and all of that. Um, yeah. But then I go to the checkout of the of the website to actually 
actually buy my little storage unit, um, rent my little storage unit. And the coolest thing, it had this little checkbox box that says, um, donate, donate a tree on my behalf, uh, plant a tree on my behalf. And I'm like, what? And so there's a little question mark next to it. I click on the question mark and it basically says, you know, this this company, whatever the name was, I think it's called CubeSmart. CubeSmart, um, you know, planted, I don't know how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of trees on customers. Um, you know, if you, you know, if you would like us to plant one on your behalf, um, you know, after your first month's payment goes through, we will do that. Just check the box. And I'm like, check the box. And it's just so, but it's it's psychologically. Um, yeah. It's this tiny thing, right, that costs them little, very little of money, right? Um, but for me, it was the last thing I did before I hit the purchase button. And so I won't remember, oh, my God, am I, should I really do this? Is this too much money? Blah, blah, blah. I remember, oh. They just planted a tree for me. They didn't tell me about it before. They didn't ask for anything in return. They just did that. And it was my choice to make them do it. And so I was kind of in control of like, yes, do this. So I think this in control, you know, a lot of companies starting to ask, you know, like, which charity would you like to donate money to yeah, you know, on, on, on your behalf and all of this. And I think that's when it becomes, that's when it becomes really, really authentic and interesting because then I feel like I have a stake in it. Definitely. And what, so I know that we've already mentioned some of the traits, but, and I know that we can't get to them all today, but, and that's more the reason for people to buy your book. I like but, this. This is a great strategy. <laughs> that's strategic thinking right there. Brain thinking. <laughs> but I know the first one is story. So why don't we start with that? And if you can also give us an example um, with each of these brand pr- uh, which each with each of these brand traits, if you can give us an example of um, of a brand or a business that's actually implementing this, that'd be also amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, let's yeah, let's dive into story, and then it can kind of like walk you through um, all the other traits quickly, or just a couple Perfect. of them. We can play it however we want to. So. Um, so I wrote this book a couple of years ago and, you know, brands change. So, um, yeah. right before, right before, um, this podcast, I wanted to make sure, are they still around? <laughs> you know, like, are they still doing well? <laughs> um, so I quickly went on this website of, of, of my first case study, um, that represents the trait of story. Um, and it's, it's a company called Fish People Seafood. Um, so it's a really small company, um, Fish People Seafood, um, they, you know, they, they, they have no thrills, chowders, bisques, and bouillons, right? So it's, it's seafood, right? Um, they have no celebrity chef. There's no packaging innovation. It's literally just fish stews and pouches to heat up. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, like, did they change? Did they get acquired? Whatever, right? So I went to the website and it was so great. The first thing that I read on the website, um, it said, we believe that the world doesn't need another seafood company. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, and that to me, you know, and of course, then it, then it, you know, continues with, but it yeah. needs a different one, blah, blah, blah. Right. But to me, I, I say this to entrepreneurs all the time. I'm like, does the world really need another product, you know, unless it's innovative, unless it really enhances our life? Does it real? do we need more stuff? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer most of the time should be no, unless you do something that contributes to, you know, to, to, to mankind. And that could be just small. That can be because we do 0.5% something better than the other company, right? That is better for the world that, you know, that, that just, you know, 
and touches people's hearts that that brings delight whatever right anyway so so fish people seafood um <clears throat> so they have these pouches uh that, that that the seafood comes in um at least they used to maybe maybe now i think they're selling they're selling it in different ways but they had these um single serve pouches so single serve means you're going to have dinner home alone most probably by single serve by yourself <laughs> um it being you know 2021 you're gonna stare at your at your laptop or your cell phone or your cell phone that's as big as a laptop i guess today um and then at some point you're gonna notice on on the packaging of the of the of the sea stew there's a thing called trace your fish um and it's super interesting. So it says, enter the seven-digit batch number um, at fishpeopleseafood.com to dive into its story. And so at this point, you know, something something really magical happens. So you do this because what else are you going to do, right? So so you're going you're gonna to go to fishpeopleseafood.com. It's not super high-tech, right? We're not innovating on high-tech. This is literally going to a website and putting in a code. <laughs> so you're putting, in, you're putting in the code. And then something super cool happens. So suddenly you meet the fishermen who put people in fish people, right? So so you meet, for instance, you know, a guy called Stefano who lifted your fish out of the boat. Um, and it's literally from the batch of fish that is in your pouch, right? So here's this guy who actually handled your fish um, and he lifted it out of Ryan's boat. And then you get to meet Ryan. So there are pictures of these guys, right, um, on the boat. Um, and then you learn, of course, about the exact location, the date, the time that your fish was caught, um, you know, and, and the next time you're going to you're going to have another pouch of seafood stew and another lonely evening um, and you're going to meet, you know, you, you're going to put in that code and, you know, your 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 fish was caught somewhere very differently. Right. And you're going to meet, um, you know, you're going to see a picture of the boat and it's called Sunset Charge, um, you know, and, and you meet the different crew. And so really what is so magical about this is that the minute that you plug in that code, you are completely hooked on the brand. Yeah. So it's it, it's not it's not creating a story, and to me that's so important because when people see, oh, brand storytelling, it sounds so fake. It's like, oh, we have to come up with a story. Now you don't have to come up with a story. You have to simply tell the story that already exists for them. They're like all the other fishermen out there, right? But they, because they have nothing to hide, because they're all about sustainability, and you know, um, and and you know, and 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 harvesting in the right way, and you know, you know that the, the head the head doesn't come out of China and the tail comes out of Thailand. You know, no, this <laughs> this all comes you know off the coast of you know of, of 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 Portland or wherever, right? So that idea of well, if you whatever your beliefs are, you know, whatever you intrinsically you know, like why you know, how do you run your business? It's really the how and the why, right? That win over the what. Um, and, and, and that is super, super crucial. Um, and that's branding. Branding is asking the question, why? Why would people deeply care about our product? Why do we do what we do? Or, or why do we put out yet another, you know, another, another company into, uh, into the, into the world? So, um, and then the how is, you know, with, with, with um, fish people seafood, you know, like, how do we do it? And why don't we share this with people? Because suddenly there's an emotional reaction. We became human. Um, and, and because we became human, that brand is, you know, is, 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 is in people's minds because they're like, I remember, I remember when I, when I put in this code and this whole world kind of like opened up. It's like reading a book and it's so cool. Um, yeah. And it, it tells subliminally, right? It tells so much back. Yeah, so 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 much so much more, right? Um, you know, about the company, about you know, a lot of other traits that I actually have in the book, right, are all part yeah. of this story. So, yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, just just look look back, right? Like like you know, very often the story is in your roots, right? Or, or look outside your industry. Most people don't do that, right? I mean, if you're in one industry, all you do is you research that industry, you read about all the other companies in that industry. But you know, if you look somewhere else, it's so easy to get inspired. And guess what? If you if if they have great ideas. And you 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 take those ideas and you make them yours within your own company. It's not even copying because no one will ever know. I mean, it's like if no. you if you get inspired by a seafood company and you're doing IT, um, you know, SaaS, you know, like no one's gonna ever know. I think what's really interesting is, first of all, I think it's really interesting that you said that you can have two or more brand traits at the same time. You can't. You don't have to just pick one. Like I'm just gonna do story. Like there's you can put so many different traits together and create something. And I think that's super interesting. I also think it's super interesting that look at what people are doing outside of your industry. That is amazing. I don't think anyone has said that yet. So, and I mean, that gave me a light bulb as well. Um, because for me, for example, I'm really looking at my industry, my competitors, I'm looking at what they're doing, but even going outside that a little bit more, I think that, you know, it can really inspire you. And, and let me add to this because I, I do think this is a really crucial point for for entrepreneurs. Um, so so I'm I'm running I'm running a, a brand consultancy, right? Um, it's called it's called Finian. And what what I do when I when I write the copy for my website is I I challenge myself to not look at any other brand consultancy or design firm or branding firm at all, right? So. And that is huge. It sounds so easy, but if you are in a certain industry, when you're when you're like, okay, so so what is going to be my story? How I'm going to how I'm going to represent myself on my website? What do other people do? What what are their what are their different navigational items? Right? Like what? So that I challenge you not to do because the minute that you are in a vacuum, um, you look inwards. <laughs> you know I mean, you literally, you just look inwards of, well, how would I do this? Like, how do I want to talk about my, my company? So for instance, I did this and we now don't show any of our work. And that's crazy. I don't think there's a single branding agency that doesn't show their work, right? But for me, it just felt like the right thing to do because, you know, I always felt it's weird when people see work because they can't relate to a certain project and then they're not going to hire you or they don't see their perfect project on your site and the same thing or, you know, whatever it is, right? And I felt like, no, I mean, you hire us for our thinking and not for, for the output. So, you know, like first get in touch. So <clears throat> I did this and I didn't even know how, 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 how radical it kind of was in my industry, right? Until people start telling me how how amazing our site is because it's so different, right? People from within the industry. So, mm -hmm. whatever you do, and this is a this is a, a silly simple example of my of my own little bubble here, right? But whatever you do, try not to look at your competitors because better things will happen when you don't. Because otherwise, you're going to slowly but surely all turn into a big mush and you're all going to look <laughs> exactly the same, the same and you're not going to differentiate and that's not why you're in business. Because I think you'll you'll start absorbing their stories and then somehow regurgitate their story within your story, right? Totally. And then it just kind of becomes like a mishmash of stories that just and, and all sound the same. And even if you don't mean to, right? Even if you come, <laughs> even if if you really just want to read and and absorb and see how do I fit in, 
well, maybe you shouldn't fit in. Maybe you should stand out. How about that? <laughs> right? Because that is really what, what branding and marketing is about. It's like, you know, you have to stand out. Now, I wanted to ask a little bit more about storytelling, because when you're a founder and you're creating a, a brand that is a business brand, it's not a personal brand, how much of your story should you be putting into your business brand? And is there a point where it becomes too much? Like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear uh, about Yvonne anymore and about her story and why she started this. Like, it's too much. Uh, is there, <laughs> is there, is there that level? <laughs> um, you know, I, it, it really depends on well it depends on a lot of things right first of all it depends on what what your what your goal is with the company you know do you want to, how how big do you want to grow it do you want to be the face of the company that's huge right because if you tell your story you will more and more so become the face of the of the company um you don't necessarily have to but you know it depends on how much you tell your story how much you weave yourself into that entire you know in, into the entire story of the brand um but i do believe you know, 99% of the time, a founder story is extremely important to tell, um, at least in the About Us page of the website, right? Because I am also, I'm, I'm always very weary of, 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 of companies, of brands where they don't have an About Us section or the About Us section is just saying, we wanted to create the best product, you know? And, and I always feel like, well, do they really exist? You know, is it just a money game? Uh, what is this? Is it made in China? Is it made? Where is it? Like, I have no idea, right? Um, so, if you if you tell the story, even if it's a founder that that has moved on, but but like why that person started it and was what what the big vision was, um, it, it is important because usually founders have this fist in the air, things need to change. Here's why I'm giving up my whole life to start this company. And the next CEO is not going to have that feeling. They're like, oh, this job pays a little bit better. I'm going to start turning this company around. Right? This is a different story. You know? I'm totally, I'm totally just, you know, like being being um, you know, general here, right? But yeah. but it is that passion needs to come out and the best way for this to come out is is to come out through your story now there are some there are some brands where the personal brand is extremely important um you know even to my own brand right because i'm i you know i'm i'm the wobblehead i'm the one who wrote the books i'm the one who's on the stage i'm the one so of course i need to be a big part of you know of of the the outside of my company also because we have tiny consultancy so it's logical but there are different there are different levels of that, right? I mean, if you think about Spanx, you know, she's her story is huge and everyone's talking about her story. Now, I'm not sure if every consumer that goes into the store to buy to buy a pair of Spanx, you know, really knows her story, but there are two different types. There are the entrepreneurial ones who love her story, and then there's the consumer who looks for very different traits in the product than than the founder's story. So Yeah, interesting. Now We've covered, I think, uh, pretty well the story as one of the brand traits. Can we go to the next one? What is the next one? That well, there, 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 there are a lot, right? So altogether, <laughs> altogether, it's we can't talk about all of them. We can't talk. We got, well, we have to at least leave one out, right? I mean, that's the whole strategy. Um, well, why don't we talk about why don't we talk another one um, where, where I feel like the case study is really fun? Um, okay, and, you know, you you want to edutain, so let's talk about. Um, I love it, edutain. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's talk about um, brand trait number seven in the book, um, okay. uh, which is solidarity. So the idea is 
what happens when solidarity is bigger than the product, when it's bigger than the actual offering? Um, and the case study uh, that, that, that I have in there is uh, Planet Fitness. So they're a U.S. chain of fitness centers, right? So, you know, and you ask yourself, you know, like who needs more of the same treadmills and the same workouts, right? And like another, right. you know, low, you know, like super, super easy entry, low cost chain of fitness centers. Um, because I mean, quite frankly, you know, there's on every block, there's either a microbrewery or a fitness center here in the US. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it is a complete commodity. And, you know, and, and to answer that question of how, who, who else needs, you know, a new company, well, 10 million people needed another chain of fitness centers, it turns out, because this company has more than 2,000 clubs today. And, you know, for those of you who, who reside in the U.S., you might have seen them. They have hot purple neon signs around the country. You know, you, you see them next to the freeways. Um, not, not, the, not the prettiest um, of designs in my eyes, but how do they differentiate? Why do people go crazy over them versus all the other competitors? They don't judge. So Planet Fitness is a judgment-free zone. So basically, that means that there are no critics allowed inside the fitness center. So if you're in any way buff, you're not allowed. <laughs> it's totally discriminating. <laughs> it's not for people who actually work out a lot. You know, it's like if you're if you're in any way overweight, you're welcome, right? If you're if you're afraid of pushing that treadmill button, you know, because you, I don't know, you, you think it's going to catapult you through the air. Um, don't worry, we'll we'll show you, right? Oh, you know, so. If you show up only once a month, it doesn't matter. We don't judge. So the idea that, you know, on every treadmill, it says you belong, you know, it says huge, you know, like no critics on the back, judgment-free zone, all of that stuff. Um, and I mean, think about how genius this is, right? Because every fitness center is, well, we're about getting you into great shape, six packs, you know, and all of that stuff. Yeah. But maybe it's not about the six pack. Maybe it's about just getting by. Maybe it's about all these normal people under parenthesis, you know, that fill most of this country that just say, well, I guess I'm gaining a little bit of weight and I guess, you know, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm having a checkup at the doctor. I guess I should, you know, maybe, maybe I should work out once or twice a week would be a good idea. Right. Um, yeah. And so, so what they showed is they showed the trait of solidarity, but it's also about empathy. And I know empathy is this word that's like this jargon and it's overused, but they genuinely feel for the audience, right? They, 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 they know, you know, that it's about, it's about them. It's, it's, it's not about us as a company. It's about them. And that's empathy. And that's, that's really the key, the key to branding. And it's very often the key to, to the growth of, of, of any company, um, and the way that Planet Fitness then then walks the walk, and, and this is hilarious, um, you know, sometimes, not always, um, on the front desk, they have donuts or bagels or just candy. And, and I mean, imagine that you walk into a fitness center and there's candy on the front desk and bagels. Um, and, and they tweeted uh, a couple of years ago, they tweeted, why candy at the front desk? Because nothing brings people together like chocolate. And I mean, it's like, that is just so great. So 10 yeah. million members, right, that go to work out to be to be healthier. And this is how you, you, you show your audience that you're not just faking it. It's like, no, we know. We know you're normal. We know you're human. <laughs> Get a candy on the way out, you know? So, so yeah. I That's think the... Yeah, I think the most important thing here is whether, like, whatever brand trait that you choose, do it authentically and not forced. Totally. 100%. And I think, because I think, like, you were talking about the Halloween and the costumes and everything like that. If you're going to, you know, you read your book, someone reads your book and they want to do uh, one of your brand traits, don't fake it. 
because people will figure it out. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that that's the whole idea of the book, right? That, that you can't fake it anymore as a brand. So this is not about picking and choosing which of these traits we should do. It's more about which of these do we feel like we actually can own. And we, mm-hmm. we, we really feel like this is a huge part of us already. And, and the book should really just, just make people, you know, uh, commit to, to one of them and say, you know what, that's it. We are all about solidarity. Right. And so with with the solidarity um, trait, uh, another big lesson to to entrepreneurs that I can't say often enough: support a subgroup, find and wholeheartedly support a subgroup. I mean, think about think about fitness centers, right? And they and they you know they found a subgroup people that usually don't work out a lot. It's a huge niche, <laughs> you know. I mean, in the U.S., yeah. that's I mean that's that's you know it's a tribe of millions and. Very quickly, you become that niche leader, right? And and you and you face needless competition. Planet Fitness, even though there are hundreds of fitness centers, they have zero competitors in my eyes because they, they served an underserved group, right? And they showed them solidarity and empathy. So so put the candy at the front desk, right? <laughs> now, do you have any tips on how entrepreneurs can find that subgroup? Uh, use their brain. Seriously. I mean, that's it. Sit back. Don't look at competitors. It's it's the same thing, right? It's like, I mean, if you if you, you know, reverse look with Planet Fitness, the story isn't that they were sitting back, you know, they were sitting on a on a on a on a rock thinking real deep. Who could it be? They were they were they were they were they were running a fitness center. It didn't work out, you know, they had problems with it. Um and and then afterwards, you know, at some point they're like, we need to pivot. How do we pivot? And and usually out of out of distress come come big ideas. And that's why 2021 and 2022 will be amazing for entrepreneurs because we all just went through hell and back, all of us together, <laughs> right? And a lot of people were were, you know, we're having really financial distress. Um, and a lot of entrepreneurs that started out in 2020 right before you know all of this happened um it, it was horrible right i mean you know i literally had have clients of mine who are now driving ubers right um who were who basically put in thousands of dollars into into their new company into the brand um and then one thing led to another and then the investors declined and then da, 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 da. so it's rough it's really rough right but i think when you're down right when you're at this place where where you need to to innovate you need to think about you know how do we differentiate a lot of times sadly that's when these things happen right mm-hmm. yeah. sorry to be a downer <laughs> no it's okay not a downer whatsoever i think a lot of people are just nodding their heads right now <laughs> when they're listening um i actually wanted to talk about one more and because we know i know we mentioned it already so maybe we can get more into depth about it because i really love the case study if i'm remembering correctly for the brand trade of delight you had the case study of i think it was petco um and it, i i did have that but the main the main uh case study well, about petco it was actually a different pet company but but the main case oh, no, study yeah, for sorry. delight is uh, is poppin um, it starts with a P, so so you're right there. <laughs> it's it's Poppin. Um, so, <laughs> no, no worries. Um, so 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 Poppin um, create. They, they went into the really really stuffy and mundane um, uh, space of of office supplies. So really, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, like the the I same remember. cheap plasticky stuff, right? That usually just comes in black or gray, right? <laughs> it's like it's like you know your your tape dispenser or your pen holder. Right? Right. And all of that stuff that's just plasticky and it's cheap. And so 
they really only did one thing. They had a crazy name called Poppin. Um, and they just said, hey, why don't we do the exact same stuff? But we just we just put a splash of color on it, right? So any company can have their own color. So if you have a neon green logo, neon green, you can have neon green stationery and calculators and staplers, right? Um, it's if if Chessie's favorite color is pink, you know, or mine, whatever, that's politically incorrect. So if my, what if my color is pink, you know, then I can have a pink calculator if I want to, right? So it was just so genius because again, zero innovation, right? Yeah. Um, and why does the world need the brand? Well, wouldn't it be nice if you have a little bit more delight, you know, on your on your office desk? And if everything comes in crazy fun colors, um, wouldn't it make your day happier? Yeah, sure. So yeah, you're still cranking out cheap plasticky stuff that's really bad for the world, but you do you do it in a way <laughs> that at least provides you with you know you with 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 a little bit of happiness. Um, and but but it's not only the design. Um, they also they also have amazing copywriting that ties into that idea of uh, of, of of delight. So the they they write these they write these, and I can I can actually I pulled it up for us uh, for this for this uh, for, for this interview. Um, they um, here here's one of here's one of the emails that that I got from them after I bought one of their you know silly calculators um, just to kind of like go through the whole thing. It said. Hi, Finian, which is not me, but my company. So, hi, Finian. Um, thanks for placing your order with Poppin. We know you and your Poppin stuff are really going to love each other. Right now, our packers are warming up and stretching so that no one gets hurt in the scurry to get your order packed up, shipped out, and delivered across your threshold so that this new chapter of your work, Happy Life, can begin. So exciting! Exclamation <laughs> mark. And then it goes. <laughs> then it goes as soon and 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 remember, it's like a two dollar pen or a five dollar calculator, right? Um, <laughs> as soon as the calisthenics are done, and so for those of you who who don't know calisthenics, calisthenics are gymnastic exercises to achieve bodily fitness and grace of movement. I had to look that up. So as soon as the calisthenics are done, we'll send you a link to track your order so you can keep tabs on it and get yourself ready for its arrival. Okay, so that's that's an order confirmation. And you know, normally when you get an order confirmation from Staples or office supply yeah, store, you just dry. you just trash it. I mean, you just see it. You're like, good, okay, they got it, perfect, right? You don't read. It. Um, and then I got my tracking number the next day and it said, um, hi, Finian. We know that you and your order are both incredibly excited to see each other while in the throes of such anticipation. It's totally understandable to lose track of the details. So here they are. And then it's, and then it's the tracking number. But it's like, I mean, it's, it's just so funny, right? And it's yeah. so cute and it's, and it's entertaining. And, and that brings delight to even a tracking number email. And I think that, um, this whole idea of happy work life, they really, they really go through the entire brand atmosphere with that. And that goes back to our intro, right? The brand atmosphere. Every single touch point yeah. needs to show that if you say this is my this is my trait. But if you're in a mundane segment, right? I mean, this is amazing what delight can do, right? I mean, you can yeah. shake up a super bored audience, right? You can turn these sad communications into delightful communications like theirs. No, exactly. And I think that's a really important point that you said how you really need to understand your brand, your brand traits, and how all of that connects to your copywriting, your website, your images, everything, so that there's no disconnects between everything. Because then it just looks a little bit, yeah, it doesn't look as clean. And, and 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 have it be manifested. That is super huge because people, you know, especially in you know in in, in companies that's not like <clears throat> a solo entrepreneur, right? But it's you know it, it, it's ten, twenty, thirty, a couple hundred people. Um, 
have it all written down, have this manifesto of like, this is how we speak. This is who we are. This is why we are who we are. This is how we look. Don't make it a brand book of 50 pages because no one's going to ever look at it, but, but make it like a poster, you know, make it something of like, this is us, you know, this is what we stand for. Because once the CMO moves on, or once the marketing, um, you know, person moves on or the copywriter moves on, I see complete brands fall apart. You know, I mean, I don't know who yeah. wrote this email that I received from Poppin, but I'm, I, I sure hope that he or she is still working there. Um, or if not, all of this has still has been so deeply ingrained in the psyche of the company that, that this keeps going. But it, it is a real threat. And you would be surprised how even large companies with hundreds of people, where if one person leaves the company, how suddenly this entire brand philosophy, you know, gets diluted. A hundred percent. I mean, as a marketing person, I have to say, I almost never had brand books or manifestos passed on to me. Um, only the really big brands. So I used to work with Jameson Whiskey. They had a beautiful brand book. It was gorgeous. It was like hardcover. It mm -hmm. was amazing. But most of the time you would go in and you didn't really understand their tone. You didn't understand what they were going for, who, your, who their target audience was. And every single marketing person that comes in, they're their strategy and the way they talk and the way they write is different. And they'll just do it themselves the way that they do it. Right. And then it becomes kind of discombobulated. <laughs> it's kind of scary, right? When you yeah. think about it and, and then you're the consumer and you don't know what's going on within the company, but suddenly everything you receive is a little bit different. And it's just like, you know, and so I, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that um, because it is so important. It is so important to, for, for any company to just, to just keep doing that, maybe every couple of years, sit down, create a new brand platform, you know, rethink your values, rethink your differentiators, rethink your positioning, you know, rethink your mission, you know, make sure, is it still up to par? Have we pivoted? You know, and so for, for everyone on the team to actually know that, it's, it's crucial. And to also be invested into it as well, like believe in it as well, right? Huge, huge, absolutely. Because otherwise, it's just a piece of paper. That's you know, that's even yeah. if it's even if it's it's if even if it's hanging in the office, it's still just hanging there, right? So I totally agree. It's one thing to put it on paper. Um, it's another thing to actually then you know make sure that everyone lives those values for sure. Yeah. Now I don't think we're going to be able to go through the rest of the traits, but can you tell us what the rest of them are so that you can give the people a little taste? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we talked about story. Uh, yes. Another one is belief. So that's when values are bigger than the product. Um, so that's if if you're a founder and you have extremely strong beliefs, and they might even be religious or political or whatever, right? And you feel like your brand is all about that. Um, then, then, then share that. Make your product and your entire your entire message about that because you will find a group that aligns with it and you will stand out. Um, Another one is cause. That's a simple one, right? Um, when when the cause is actually bigger than what you what you offer. Um, case study is Bombas, um, the socks company. Um, so you can you can read a little bit more into that. Um, another one is is heritage. Um, you know what if what if a sense of location is bigger than than, than what you offer? And uh, the case study is uh, is Shinola watches, um, which Shinola does everything now. But Shinola was all about made in Detroit, right? It was about, we're going to flip this, this, you know, former, you know, car manufacturing, you know, industrial American, you know, city around, and we're going to bring people back in here to, to, to have work. Um, and that 
was what the entire brand was. You know, otherwise it was a commodity product because quite frankly, the watches looked like everyone else's watches before, right? I mean, there was no huge, you know, innovation. Um, Delight, we talked about transparency mm -hmm. is huge. Transparency, right? Like lead with, you know, what is what is what happens when trust is bigger than the product, right? So if your company is 100% transparent, and think about it as an entrepreneur, if you are launching a company today, and the only thing you write on your website say says we are 100% transparent. People will trust you. And when they trust you, they will buy from you, right? Obviously, you can't screw up and you have to be 100% transparent. But it's, it's amazing. And again, it's not a trick. It's, it's something that you need to really be and live. Um, solidarity, we, we talked about. Um, and then the last one is individuality. Um, and that is all about customization. Um, you can enter a marketplace um, that has you know, me too products. But if you start customizing them, um, amazing things can happen. The case study is a company called Fanatics, which back then was really small and now they're huge. Um, and they basically, they, they turned around um, t-shirts for fans of, um, of sport, of sport teams um, overnight, right? So if, if a team won the Super Bowl, um, you know, within a minute after the, after the Super Bowl was over, you could order your, your shirt with like 50 different designs and 50 different sayings about that specific team winning the Super Bowl. And by the next morning they ship it to you so it's like that idea of you know fast turnaround individualization a customization is huge and that's why a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs when they read the book they say oh can i do all of them and i say no you should not <laughs> <laughs> you should not please don't try um but you can take a couple of them right you can have an amazing story you can have a strong belief you can you can make everything more individualized like you can put a little bit of all of them on top of your brand but still own one of them because that's going to be the big differentiator that people are really going to feel so kind of lead with one and then have others kind of complement it that's 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 what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I wanted to move a little bit to some questions. Uh, basically, we talk a lot about storytelling. We talk about emotional connections through these brand traits. And in a world now, we're in a world that a lot of things need to be quantified. You know, people want to say, "Well, this plus this. If I if I have this link, I'll have a UTM link. They'll click on it. Like I can track everything, right?" So how can individuals calculate the ROI of something like brand feeling or emotional connection, which is like so visceral? And I ask this question because I, th I think the problem that I see a lot of the times is that branding is still seen as something that's nice to have um, because entrepreneurs are still largely thinking on sales. I need to, I need, I need to generate sales. And it's hard to quantify a community, a feeling, a connection. Like how, how do I actually see if that's working? Now, I wanted to ask your thoughts on this because you work with entrepreneurs, you're in the, in the industry. And what kind of advice would you give people who have maybe this type of mentality? So, I mean, so first of all, um, you know, ROI with branding, like you said, is very, it's, 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 it's difficult, right? It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy to really, um, to, to really track it as such, but yeah. it is possible. Um, we just finished a project with, with a client, um, and they did a study of before and after consumer sentiment about, you know, like how trustworthy is the brand? You know, how do you feel about the brand? Um, and the sentiment just went skyrocketing after a simple refresh. Fresh, right, where we literally just refresh the colors, refresh the tonality, like did simple things, not even huge things, right? Um, and so 
with with existing companies, it's pretty easy to do a customer survey, um, you know, before and after, and see how see how things change, and then and then really quantify that. Um, but look, I mean, we we live we live in a world where social media reigns supreme, um, yeah. and you can very easily see how people react to your brand. Um, so if you if you only have very, you know, selfish posts about your product and they're really mundane and whatever, and then suddenly, you know, like you you come out of this of this of this brand transformation where you, you know, you actually start showing your beliefs, where you start, you know, giving back, where you start um you know, and a lot of these things that we talk about, right? And where you copy is much fresher and everything is much more empathetic. Um, and you can literally, after 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 one or two posts, you can see the difference from before and after. Suddenly people start engaging with you. They start communicating with you. They start sharing, you know, your work. Why? Because it's not about you anymore. It's about them, right? And so I think with a lot of these social media specifically instagram and and at this point it's it's almost for every brand um you know there's some b2b brands you know some some saas brands were maybe not so much but for most brands instagram is an amazing playground to really to really see how your brand is behaving um and what people really feel about the brand and i use it a lot um you know for for research and i use it a lot um <clears throat> to to actually see you know how people how people react um, to, to to a redesign that we did, um, and then you can also you can always kind of like course correct it a little bit if you need to. Um, but usually, the thing is with with branding, if you do it right, it only gets better, <laughs> right? Um, so it your brand will only be stronger. It will be more human, um, and and there is absolutely no way um, that 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 suddenly you know people are going to drop you know, off of your Instagram everywhere if you mm-hmm. become more human, right? So I think that, yeah. you know, if you understand, if you understand the power of branding, um, you know, you will, you will, you know, you, you will, you will see that. Now, how do you, you know, I mean, you know, how, how do you, how do you change people's mentality when they say, I just don't believe in branding? I, I, I guess that's why I write my books, right? Um, you know, I mean, that, that, that's why I try to get out <laughs> I mean, that's why, you know, people need to read that stuff. And I think, um, you know, I, I did work with, uh, with, with, uh, you know, CMOs where the founders really don't believe in branding. Um, and then they come out of these sessions, you know, of these of these brand workshops, and they're just they're just changed. And they're like, "Wow, why didn't we do this sooner?" Well, because you didn't believe in it. Um, so it's you know, I think in the end, it's it's something that is very, it's it's very logical for people to to believe in because there are so many case studies, um, you know, how and and everything we talked about today, right? How it can yeah, really definitely. turn a company around. And I think the the most important thing that you said, which was at the beginning, is that if you don't have a brand, what ends up happening is that you are competing based on price. And I don't think anyone out there, any entrepreneur, really wants to compete on lowest price. You know, the you will basically be on a list, the lowest price wins. I mean, I don't think any entrepreneur wants to do that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I always ask this last question to all my hosts, um, which I think is you know, it's lo- I love hearing the response to it. But what is the number one fatal mistake an entrepreneur or small business can make when going through the branding process? You know, there there are about seven hundred ninety five. Um, but <laughs> fatal mistakes. <laughs> yeah, fatal mistakes. <laughs> fatal. Not just mistakes. Um, fatal no, mistakes. Fatal mistakes. Um, look, it's my job. I have to say this. No. So number one. Um, Number one in my eyes um, is to not have foresight. I think okay. foresight 
is everything in branding. So that means having a good idea of how you position yourself, understanding the competition, not being blindfolded by like, oh yeah, no, we're the only ones doing X. You're not the only ones doing X. There are other people. So let's look at them, right? Um, not understanding your audience well enough, you know, not, you know, not, 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 you know, not understanding that your your business might pivot. You know, you might start doing something, um, but in two years from now, you do something different. So you create, for instance, a brand name that says, you know, you know, that is very descriptive. And then afterwards, you pivot your product and you have to rename. And renaming is, it's a pain and it's very expensive and it takes time and your audience is confused. And so... That that's really what I mean with foresight. Um, so 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 foresight to to know you know you know what could potentially happen in the future. And brand strategy goes deep into that, where you really you know like I mean one exercise I do with my clients is writing a writing a a, a, a memorial speech for your brand forty years from now. <laughs> and so it's you know you literally have to sit and say okay in forty years from now what if our brand achieved everything it could possibly achieve and there are hundreds and thousands of people out there and we. Know now give a memorial speech for for that for that brand. It sounds so silly and esoteric, but in the end, you really start thinking about how how would you want to touch people's hearts with your product and your you know like what is it that if you're gone as a company, what is the void that is left behind? Um, and so you start thinking really big of like where do I really want this company to be? And if you do exercises like this, you're not going to name your company the wrong way. You're not going to create a, an identity that is too narrow, right? Um, so I think I think it's really foresight. You have to have that. I really loved your example. I have to say, I think I might do that actually for my my brand. <laughs> as you should, as you should. I, I don't even think this is proprietary for me. I think I think I think I saw it somewhere a long time ago too. It's not, you know, it's but it's such a great exercise. Definitely. And on that note, we're going to be ending this episode. I think that there's a lot of information available. Um, I loved it. I can't wait to re-listen to it again. And if anyone wants to kind of reach out to you to us uh, talk to you, read, read about you or read your books, where can they find you? Um, the best place to start is finian.com. That's F-I-N-I-E-N.com, finian.com. And from there, they can go anywhere. Um, since we talked so much about the book, they can also go to biggerthanthis.com. Um, they can listen to my podcast um, where I talk with super fun and interesting and entrepreneurs about how they brand it. It's called Hitting the Mark. Um, it's on hittingthemarkpodcast.com. And there are 50,000 more links, but just go to finian.com. You can find it all there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. And I highly recommend the book. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It was time. such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Branding Lab Podcast with your host, Yvonne Ivanescu. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, or leave us a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>